Fulhamish is backed for the season by Ladbrokes. Hello and welcome to the Fulhamish podcast. My name is Sammy James. We are the independent voice of Fulham FC and the world's number one advocate of clappers. We love clappers. And luckily, Clapper Central. I have two happy clappers of my own uh, in the studio tonight. Clapper number one, Drew Heatley. Viva our clappers. And clapper number two, Jack Collins. Hello, clappers. How are we all doing? Not bad. <laughs> It's, it's the best running joke that's been going around now for the past few days. It's just cannot get enough of the clappers. They're just the best thing to ever happen to football. And I say all football clubs should have them. Yeah, and that they all actually need them. And in fact, they should be deducted points if they don't have <laughs> clappers. Uh, welcome to the show tonight. It is the final podcast potentially we will ever do about a championship club. That's quite on. a daunting, isn't it? I know. It's quite scary, really. On Saturday, we're going to Wembley. It's the Championship Playoff Final, the richest match in football, Fulham versus Aston Villa, a 5pm kickoff. And to be honest, my nerves, with three days to go, are already in shreds. It's palpable, the tension that is being felt amongst the sellout Fulham crowd that is going to be heading to Wembley on Saturday. Just to say, before we get into today's podcast, this season we are backed by Labricks for exclusive specials and promotions. Maybe Fulham's promotion, head to bets.fulhamish.co.uk. I'm sure they've got all sorts of odds on Ryan Sessignon bagging the winner, John Terry scoring an own goal off his arse. I'm sure it's all there and I'm sure you can go bet on it, so make sure you head to the link. So loads coming up on today's podcast. It's an absolute pre-Wembley bumper for you today. We've pulled out all the stops to make sure it kind of captures the excitement and an adrenaline that is running through all Fulham fans at the moment. So uh, coming up later in the podcast, we're going to be speaking to ex-Fulham player and Villa player, Zach Knight, getting his feelings ahead of Saturday's big final. Uh, We tracked down a fan who was there in 1975, 43 years ago, and he happens to be Farrell's dad. Uh, It's Stephen. No, it really didn't. Uh, So we'll be asking him his memories from the 1975 final and also asking how he feels about his trip to Wembley 43 years after we last played under the Twin Towers. And we're going to be speaking to California-based fan Jack Copeland and asking him about his big trip over from the west side of the United States all the way to northwest London for the big final. We know there's so many of you international fans flying in for the game uh, and we've had emails by the barrel load. So we're going to be reading the best emails uh, from fans coming from far and wide. So it's a big, big show today. But first, let's have a bit of a pre-Wembley amble. And Drew, I'll start with you. How are the nerves ahead of Saturday? It's starting to starting to jingle a little bit. I can't believe it's only Wednesday. It's been uh, so far perhaps the, the slowest week I can remember. Mm. Um, it's but at the moment it's a bit more it's more excitement uh, than anything else. It's it's great because even with the Hamburg uh, Europa League final, you know there wasn't that sort of social. The Twitter was still in its infancy and and whatnot. And now you can sort of share this build up with everybody else. So it's it kind of it heightens it. Your journey to the final is uh, is shared with so much more so many more people. I kind of wish I hadn't been on social media this week, Jack. Yeah. Although there has been some funny stuff, I'm I'm starting to get a little bit irritated by all the chat because it's clearly just nervousness and boredom and people waiting in anticipation for the match. And it all seems to be getting a little bit silly, hence the clappers joke at the beginning of the 
podcast. People yeah. just want this game to, to start now, don't they? Yeah, everyone, everyone's ready for it. And, and you're right, social media has been a bit of a minefield this week. There's been some funny things. Some legend wrote like a really funny piece about clappers, like a satirical <laughs> piece. And but apart from that, yeah, it's been a little bit, it's been a little bit hit and miss. And and you can, you know, what's happening? You know, Villa are, are trying to wind up Fulham, and, and Fulham are trying to wind up Villa, but doing it in a very strange way. To be fair to us, we're uh, we're, we're using mock self-aggrandizing to, to try and wind up opposition fans which don't get me wrong is working a treat but it, it does kind of seem that we're just sort of on a hiding to nothing in a, in a social media sense uh, that we're not really gaining anything and, and we could all maybe do with a potential break so earlier today i was on the anfield rap podcast now you'd have thought that a liverpool Ooh. podcast would have had enough to chat about this week but they clearly wanted to uh, find out about the biggest match this weekend and they, and they called me up for an opinion and even they have obviously seen the kind of Twitter storm that's been going on. They were like, there's been so many weird comments from Villa fans on social media. And I was like, yeah, I'm really bored of it, <laughs> to be perfectly honest. And they, they, I said, we, are you having the same thing with Real Madrid fans? They were like, no, not, huh. not, not really. We're all just moaning about hotel prices, really. Um, but we're going to be heading there on Saturday, Drew. What's your plan of action for the day? I know you're coming to our Old Suffolk Punch event uh, before... Absolutely. It starts at the Old Suffer Punch for a, a breakfast bap, uh, which is the best way to start any day. My slight concern, actually, when I think about it, is a 10 a.m. start, 5 p.m. kickoff. I mean, I do not take many beers for a big lad, so it's going to be a, it's <laughs> going to be, have to be a case of pacing myself. Um, off to Wembley uh, and then going to the Torch, I think. Uh, that's the pub of choice uh, for myself and, and the boys that I'm with. Uh, and then I'm going to savour that, that walk down Wembley way. Uh, maybe check out the fan zone if there's time, uh, if I'm still standing and still want a beer. Uh, and then just crapping myself for 90 minutes. Hopefully just 90. Jack, your plans? Yeah, obviously, starting at the Suffolk Punch, where I'll be hosting an impromptu signing session for all of my fans. <laughs> of, of, of clappers, protection. <laughs> bring your favourite <laughs> clapper your favorite to, clapper, this, to this old Suffolk Punch. No, uh, obviously, it's going to be in the punch, and, and hopefully that'll be a really good laugh, and we'll see how we go. I'm thinking about going to Baker Street and maybe sort of setting up camp there for a little while, and then coming into Wembley Park rather than Wembley Central, because I really like that coming out of the station and having the whole thing in front of you as the expanse and under the tunnel and all that. So oh, you've got to do Wembley Park. If you're an international fan and you've not been to Wembley and you want the full experience, I'm sure you didn't need me to tell you this, but do Wembley Park. It might be a more packed tube it's not actually sometimes the best way of getting to Wembley but no. if you want the experience go to Wembley Park that top where you come out and there's the arch in front of you the the bridge in front of you and you come through it all it is fantastic and, and to do that in Fulham colours and, and with all of Fulham faithful around you it's, it's gonna be something very special we hope and I think that it will translate you know really nicely for us and hopefully the whole wall of white thing will work yeah, everyone's wearing white uh, for the big day. And even the club have got on board. Slavisa's got on board. He mentioned it in his pre-match press conference earlier. It's fantastic. And I think, you know, you've had some cynics like, oh, you know, it makes me want to not wear white or I'm going to wear my away shirt. And some people have superstitions and I completely uh, am on board with that. Uh, I took uh, my Fulham mug to Hamburg uh, before the final, which I, I drank out of. Fulham mug everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> uh, every every morning I I supped out of it and I did it at Hamburg. Except this time it was beer, not coffee. Uh, it didn't work, um, but I've been doing it again this uh, season, and I'm convinced that it's it's working again. But anyway, back to the white wall. I've got my white uh, top ready, uh, and I think uh, everybody should do the same. You got to wear your colours, right? We 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 had uh, navy blue kit 
third kit that nobody really cared about for the Europa League final. Oh, it was now awful. I forgot white. about that. Yeah. yeah, it was really bad, wasn't it? I went to my Uncle Kieran's house today. It was very exciting, and he had the whole collection of shirts all lined up from you know in chronological order. Really nice, all the all the different ones. And so I've I picked out a, a particular white shirt from I think 1983 that oh. is going to be is going to be sported on the day. I've got a horrible feeling that maybe the bacon bap at the old Suffolk Punch might have too much ketchup in it and I'll end up with a stain from, from early doors. No, you just have to, you know, really rein it in, keep it together and, you know, maybe wear a coat on top of it and then wear unveil it. the white wall when you get there. Yeah, or just wear a napkin at all times. Wear the flag around you. Wear a bib. Um, so there's been, a, so as I said, Yukanovic did his press conference. Uh, a few interesting comments. He spoke about uh, the white wall. Uh, he spoke about John Terry. This is a quite interesting one. Uh, said we're going to put him under pressure. We've got strong, fast players. and uh, We can hope he can make some mistakes. And, and has called Aston Villa an organised, good team. Uh, and Steve Bruce knows how to protect his defensive line. But he knows that we can put them under pressure. So obviously respectful comments there from Slavisa. But also recognising that we have the strengths in order to hurt Villa should we want to. Obviously we'll want to. Well, uh, Slav uh, obviously knows uh, Terry quite well, and I was reading an article not long ago. And he was talking; it was almost exclusively about his relationship with JT and how he was uh, sort of encouraging him to 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 pack in the partying a little bit and and really focus on his game. But he always, he, when he first saw him, he thought he was uh, an old man, but he was only nineteen. Uh, but he knows all about JT, and he knows uh, his strengths and weaknesses. I would imagine, uh, you know, better than maybe some others. So. Uh, they, there are, they are uh, sort of, there are some aging players in the Villa side, uh, one or two, and we know that. Um, but it's interesting to hear Steve Bruce say that recovery has been their biggest setback so far this season with the Tuesday and Saturday games, and the fact that they've had two weeks off is actually, I think he's called it ideal preparation, which is uh, slightly nerve-wracking to hear him say it. Bit of a boost for Fulham, uh, and definitely not a boost for Aston Villa. It looks like El Mahamadi is a doubt for the final before the Villa home game. Uh, we heard that Grealish and Adoma might be out. And we actually said on the Extra Preview podcast, oh, we think this is just mind games from Steve Bruce. We'll believe it when we see it. And it turned out they were just genuinely injured and, and Steve Bruce wasn't messing around. Uh, obviously, it could be Brucey playing those kind of tactics that we feared he might do back in February. But if he is out, that's a bit of a blow for the Villa because his partnership with Snodgrass has been kind of key to the way they play. Yeah, of course, but you saw in the Borough game that when they rotated fullbacks, and he obviously wasn't, you know, part of that, especially in the second leg, where they rotated fullbacks to to allow Alan Hutton to to really shackle Traore, and they played, you know, James Bree, who's a, who's a good defender and someone that we spoke about at length, that someone we'd have liked to have signed last year. So you know what, there's there's depth there, and there is depth in this Villa squad. You know, we think that Axel Tuanzebe is not going to make it back either, which is probably probably a good thing considering how well he played against Cessnion in. February when we played them but you know there's, there's quality there and in depth and yes it's a blow for them if El Mohamedi's out but you know they obviously have that kind of rotation quality and we've just got to be prepared to play our own game and, and not worry about what's going on in, in the Villa camp. Hutton's playing for a new contract as well so uh, he's going to be he's going to be bang up for it you've got that uh, experience element from uh, Elamandu who's done it uh, one, more than one occasion I think he's been promoted um, but then you know Hutton's played for Villa in an FA Cup final so you know. Yeah, exactly. There's bags of experience across the Villa team, and we we kind of dissected that a little bit on Monday as to what that all means. Um, final lineup changes. Uh, what would you go with on Saturday if you were Slavisa? 
I'd start Aite. Start Aite at right wing. I would. I, the, it, I was talking to my dad before the derby game and, he, and before he started uh, AK-47. Uh, and my dad was like, you know, Rowett thinks he's got it, got his own, all his own way. He knows exactly what to expect. And I, and, I, and I want him to do something different to surprise him. And if that's starting Kamara in that role, then maybe that'll give him a bit of a shock. And obviously it did and it worked. Uh, obviously you can't do the same thing again in the final for many different reasons. But just maybe is there one little trick up Slav's sleeve that I don't know about, that we don't know about, that, that shows Bruce actually, hang on a minute, you don't know exactly what to expect today. Five of the back. <laughs> <laughs> Change it now, Slav. Just go long ball. Yeah. Play Stevie, com- De- Stevie definitely Play long ball football that. to Mitrovic and Kamara together up front. See you later. Championship. All right. Well, let's get into the first of our interviews on this special Wembley preview podcast. Uh, and we're going to be hearing from the man, the legend, the myth, Zat Knight. Uh, Ex-Fulham and Villa, of course, play for both sides. We thought it would be good to get the views of someone that knew what the feelings would be like in both camp. Of course, he is a, a local boy to Villa, but you know played for Fulham a lot more times, 150 appearances for Fulham uh, between 99 uh, and 2007. And, and a fairly solid centre-back, obviously. He had a, a few mistakes in him. A but... towering presence. Exactly, but was kind of ever present for many seasons especially under Chris Coleman so it was an absolute pleasure to speak to Zat uh, a couple of nights ago and I started off by asking him what his feelings are ahead of Saturday's big final I'll be honest um, I'm excited because before all of this maybe maybe a month before the end of the season the ideal situation for me would have been obviously Fulham finishing second and Villa obviously winning through the pet playoffs it would have been um clean sweep for myself but um the way it's ended up obviously both of my teams are playing each other and one one where it started as you know playing at the age of 17 and having nine uh, nine years there and then obviously villa's um a boyhood dream um, a, a boyhood team and obviously um, i was fortunate enough to play for them so i'm very torn um I don't, know which one, I don't know which one I'm supporting. I just want it to be a good game, to be honest. What have you made of the times that you've seen Fulham play this season? Obviously, we play this very attractive style of football under Slavisa Jakanovic, a kind of brand of football that was really last seen in this kind of swagger under Jean Tigner. Yeah, I mean, um, I've heard a lot of people say that. And, um, you know, um, I think John Tagana holds um, in high regard with um, Fulham fans and what he's done down there in the style of football. You know, um, I know people used to come down and um, watch watch his training because the style of play we used to play on on the pitch. <laughs> you know, I remember I remember Steve Copper coming down in, in in the rain. You know, and just 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 sitting there by, um, by a tree, just just watching us train because you know what what we wow. used to what we used to perform on a Saturday. And obviously, we, we 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 won the league with ease, and um, everyone just spoke about the type of football we played. And obviously, um, it hasn't we 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 haven't had that again till 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 now. You know, um, we've got some some good young players and um, some good loanees where you know um, the club are trying to move forward. And the only disappointing thing for me is um, I left the team. I left the team when I was in the Premiership. And then for them for them to get relegated, and it's been several years for them to get back. You know, um, you know, I've been I was part of the team to get them up to the Premiership, and then I left them in the Premiership, and then um, to see them 
get relegated, I really, I really, really hope that they do go back up, you know, because it's going to be tough. Uh, I'm sure you see it yourself, you know, each year it just gets harder and harder because, uh, you know, the, the teams that are coming down have a bit of money. You know, the players are getting a bit better. How special was it to get promoted with Fulham? Obviously, back in the days when Fulham did go up from the first division to the Premiership, as it was known at the time, it was heady days for the club and Alf Fired was spending millions and, and mm. the ambitions were, were sky high, but it was such special times because it hadn't been done in such a long time. And I think fans were in such anticipation of being a Premiership club for years and years to come. But surely that first season where we uh, walked out at Old Trafford in that first game must have been something special and I bet you'll be hoping that some of the Fulham players can experience it for themselves next season if they are victorious on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, uh, for myself, it was a, was a, uh, amazing. You know, it was an amazing feeling to, you know, I joined Fulham when I was in the second division. I just um, in the in in yeah, yeah the second division. I was the first division at the time, yeah. And um, yeah, so so halfway through, so they um, obviously I wasn't part of the team, but just being around it. And um, seeing him get promoted, obviously Kevin Keegan left to 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 go into England, and then just to be a part of that whole John Tagana Championship team and winning it, and um, going up to the Premiership and then having Premiership football, you know, for a few years there, and seeing these teams come to the cottage, and it be difficult for them. You know, we kind of we we tried to make it a bit of a fortress. Obviously, going away from home, it was going to be tough, but people coming to our small stadium, you know, everything's tight, small change rooms, you know, the the fans are kind of on top of the pitch. You know, um we try to make that our fortress. You know, we and we um, we had some amazing amazing times. And then looking at Villa, Zat, which you spent many years, it was your boyhood team and then mm. to see them get relegated from the Premiership after after from the Premier League after years of turmoil and kind of flirting with that relegation zone mm. and it was such a horror season when Villa did finally go down they've spent two years down at this level what would it mean for Villa you know to get back to the Premier League because it's such a huge club uh, to be rattling around in the second tier yeah I mean you know there's such a like you said um, you took the words out of my mouth it's such a match, massive club you know, they've got everything in place to be much bigger than they are. You know, and I was lucky enough to be there for a few years where we had great times. You know, we finished, I believe, fifth or sixth, actually. To, you know, um, we was getting into Europe both of the times, I, you know, um, the couple of seasons I was there for. So to go from one extreme to the next, to fighting, to get into Europe, to fighting relegation within maybe the matter of, you know, five years, six years, it's a big turnaround. You know, and um, they 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 need to be back there. You know, and they do, I, I believe they 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 they've got everything to be back there. They are, you know, I know it's I know it's um, cliche to say they are a Premiership club, but obviously they're not because you 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 are where you are for a reason. You know, but um, they've got all the makings to 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 be a big Premiership club if they can get it right. Lots been spoken about Villa's experience. Obviously, you've got players like not just John Terry, who of course has you know been to so many finals, been there and done it, won the Champions League and all of that. But they've got a lot of other players that have played in major finals, played at Wembley. Fulham don't really have too much of that in their team. How much of a factor do you think that will be 
in a one-off final at Wembley. Do you think that will play a part in the game on Saturday? Yes and no. You know, um, obviously, like you said, you know, there's players like John Terry, what I've been to Wembley for England, and there's other players at Villa, what I've played at Wembley. You know, like you said, there's maybe no one at Fulham who who's been there. But like you said, sometimes when you're naive to things, it can be a scary thought because you don't know what you're going to get out of them. You know, sometimes you can go in there too relaxed. You know, Villa boys, what I've been there, done this, they might feel, oh, they've never been here before. These uh, Fulham boys have never been here. They're, they're a young team. They've never been here. So maybe they get too relaxed. But then these young boys from Fulham get very excited. They're like a kid in the candy shop. They're running on a different energy. You know, so it's a big pitch. Um, it's a lot of running around, and that can be, that could be to Fulham's factor as well. So I don't, you know, it's, it's all or nothing. It's just it's one game, and the rewards what come with it. It's the Premiership where you go and play against the likes of Manchester City, Man United, Arsenal. You know, so you leave everything on the pitch because after that you got five weeks off. How how do you approach a big game like this as a player? I mean with your routine in the morning? Mm. Would you just try and keep it the same as you do every game? How how difficult is it to keep your focus when the pressure is, is so high? I'll be honest, you know, um, the, the tough, the hardest thing for these players, which I think everyone will tell you, is the, is the, is, is the gap from the last game they played. There's been a lot of waiting around them. I think it's too, me personally, I think it's too long of a gap from playing the last really? game what you played till till now, till you know the weekend. It's nearly a week and a half, nearly two weeks. It's not far from two weeks. Wait, mm. Waiting around and anticipation, you know, so, um, your adrenaline's up and down. But obviously, I know the preparations. You know, it's it's, it's the final week of preparation, and you're not going to feel them butterflies until probably you know Thursday, Friday. You know, obviously you're traveling down. Um, you know, you're in the hotel and you start getting butterflies. But once you um, headed the first header, you know, kick the first ball, you know, everything uh, everything becomes normal. You know, you try and do everything as normal as possible as, as 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 what you got there. Because like I said, you can't do it the same because it's not the same thing. But you try you try it to keep it as normal as possible. But I just think it's a long waiting around because you've gone off the high from celebrating, getting to the finals. Now you have to <laughs> chill for for you know for 10 days before a game again and and if Fulham or or even if Villa uh, do win on Saturday uh, it's been several years since we've been in the Premier League Mm. how do you think both clubs will adapt to being back at that level so much especially for Fulham so much seems to have changed in that four years since we've been gone it it, it seems Mm. to have gone up a notch in quality and there's different teams who are at the top of the tree um, but also there's a lot of smaller clubs in that Premier League also competing because of the amount of money that is just on display to every single team. So yeah. how do you think Fulham, let's let's focus on them a little bit more, will adapt if we do get past Saturday? I'll be honest, um, like you said, because, you know, um, I don't know the staff that are at Fulham at the moment. You know, um, hopefully, you know, we've got staff, some of the staff there what have, have, have been there before. You know, and um, it's just about. I know they've got a lot of young boys, so you know I think it's going to be a lot of uh, money spent. Obviously, within bringing players in, trying to get loan players, players who have had experience, 
I think it's about experience because it is a long season and it's tough and anybody can beat anybody in that in, in that league. You know, so I think it's all going to be about experience and, you know, people are walking into kind of the twilight zone, you know, that they've never been there before. And finally, Zach, I'm going to get you to stick your neck on the line. Obviously, you've played for both clubs. You understand the history and the stature and what it means uh, to represent both Fulham and Aston Villa. Who do you think is going to win it? And do you think it's going to be a normal time, extra time, penalties? What's what's your head saying? What's your heart saying? I'll be honest. Um, my heart generally, not just saying it because I'm speaking to you, my heart lies with Fulham, you know, grow, um, being part of um, history for them. You know, I'd love to see them and then um, get back there. You know, I think the fans deserve it. Um, the club deserve it. But in my heart, in, in my head, says Villa's going to win it. I know um, some Fulham fans probably be upset with me, but that's just, you know, I think they got a little bit more experience. I think it's going to be a close game. I think it's going to be 2-1 in, in 90 minutes. Well, Zat, I mean, I think although you may be uh, with your head going for Villa, at least your heart's staying with Fulham. It's the... Uh... It's the best track suits we ever sent off uh, to sign to sign you back in the day. <laughs> best investment we ever made. Nah, is nah, that nah. true? Is that true? No. Well, yes, it's a yes and no. I mean, um, well, while it was the the, the the team I was playing for, I never actually signed a contract for them, um, the non-league team. And um, yeah, obviously, when I was going to 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 Fuller. Uh, Fulham was sponsored by Adidas at the time. And um, Kevin Keegan just thought, you know, he knows about grassroots football. He just thought it'd be a nice gesture because I was going there. I was going to Fulham for nothing, basically. He just thought it'd be a nice yeah. gesture to send over some equipment to, you know, a non-league team, up, you know, some tracksuits, some footballs and whatever. It wasn't a matter of we'll take that for this. It was just a matter of <laughs> a, um, a grassroots team and, you know, saying thank you. And you yeah. know it, it's it's you know it just showed it just showed the type of man Kevin Keegan was. I know you know um, it was a bit of a tongue in cheek um, gesture, um, things you know a bit of banter in the newspaper. But you know um, yeah. on my behalf, I can look back and say, well, you know them um, tracksuits or a few boards. You know it, I went from there to playing for England, so it wasn't that bad. Exactly, mate. Exactly. Well, hopefully, I know you're out in the states at the moment, but Zach, it'd be great to see you back at the cottage if you're ever uh, if you're ever back in the UK for an extended period of time. No, no, definitely. I mean, um, I'm, I'm I'm definitely coming back, you know, and um, uh, hopefully I can come back next season, and um, you know, fingers crossed, I can come watch a Premiership game. Oh, exactly, Zach. Thank you for chatting to Fulham. No, 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 no. I appreciate that. Um, thank you very much. And like I said, um, hope everything goes well on 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 the weekend and. We show the boys in the club all my best. She said, do you love me? I tell her only partly. I only loved him remember at Target. I'm sorry. Oh, well, thank you so much to Zach Knight for speaking to me live from his pad in LA. It's well fancy, isn't it? I imagine his life to be a bit like Entourage. You know, yeah. ro- rolling around with Johnny Chase and and and, uh, and Eric and all the boys. Great reference Just, that. I'm with Vince. What, <laughs> what would they make of his accent over there, though? That's what I think. I don't know. I yeah. think they'd quite dig it. Yeah, if they'd understand it. 
Isn't is they like British accents, don't they? It's the Brummie I'm concerned about. I, I think they're probably fine. Yeah, I, I kind of spoke to him off air, and I was like, "Oh, how come you're in LA?" And he just kind of went, "You know, fancied a bit of a change. Fit, pl- finished playing football and didn't want to just hang around England doing nothing. So I thought I'd head over to America and just see what it's like for a few years, which I which I totally respect. Can't knock that, can you? We'd all no. do if we could. Yeah, exactly. Well, an um, interesting point Zap made, where he was saying he thinks the gap between the semi-final and the final on Saturday is too long and that players will be finding it really difficult kind of adjusting from going Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, all the intense matches to then having to wait for nearly two weeks. Do you agree with him? I think it was very welcomed, really, considering how knackered we were at the end of the derby game. I think that there's an interesting point to be made in that the two-week gap completely removes the advantage of coming third. Because obviously you get the first game, mm. and so you play on the Monday night rather than the Tuesday night. And if it was that Saturday, you'd get an extra day off, which I think is kind of in, in, you know one of those things that gives you a bit of an, not massively, but it gives you a bit of an advantage, mm. right? Uh, and so I think that potentially there's an argument to be made for that. But you know it is what it is. They you know the boys have obviously had a rest. They've obviously had a nice you know relaxing time, and Solis will have had them in working hard the last couple of days. And you know, both teams are going into this level, so potentially it's the best thing for everyone. Well, Kenny did post an Instagram story yesterday. I don't know if you saw it, but just basically like long day. Mm. So clearly, you know, they've had a bit of fun, a bit of time off, but Savis has now got them working probably harder than ever. Well, it is a momentum slower. I think uh, you do lose that that extra day, but also it's like you're starting from a you're starting to sprint from a standing start again, mm. uh, you know. And obviously anything can happen in the final, as the cliche goes. But you know, I said earlier, Bruce called it ideal preparation because Villa needed that time to heal. Whereas Slav saying there's good and bad aspects to it because you've got time to sort of think about the occasion and almost let it get on top of you and consume you a little bit. But you also have time to focus on the the minutiae of the game and and the tactics and really get to grips with exactly what the game plan is so there's there's highs and lows but it's that it's that uh, first bit of Slav's comment that concerns me the letting it get on top of you because uh, I've spoken to one or two players from the 75 final and they're to a man they're all saying you know when I say what went wrong they say well we just let it we let it over so overawe us the occasion the day the the stadium it all got on top of us and you just hope that that doesn't happen to us a second time around Drew you are a professional because you have segged me perfectly into my next section. You had absolutely no idea. But of course, next we're going to be speaking to our very own Farrell's dad, Stephen Monk, uh, about his memories from the 1975 final. Well, one thing I do need to mention, of course, is that uh, it was an incredible run to Wembley. Um, I was thinking about it the other day. I think I went to seven of the of the 11 matches leading up to the Wembley final. Um, and... Uh, I just want to mention about the semi-final, the first, uh, the, the main semi-final against Birmingham at uh, Hillsborough. Uh, two things that really stuck in my memory, and other people who were there in 75 will remember. First of all, there was an incredible amount of traffic and lots of Fulham fans and Birmingham fans got there late. And there was this incredible crush going through into the Leppings Lane end. Uh, and someone I was with said, this is an accident waiting to happen. And we all know what happened uh, a few years after that. That's the first memory. And the second thing is, got stuck in the most awful traffic uh, coming back from Birmingham. And I had uh, planned to meet uh, a new girlfriend of mine. Uh, I was going around to her house. I planned to pick her up about 8 or 8.30. I was incredibly late. The days before mobile phones. And... uh, 
So I turned up about two hours late, and she decided that she didn't want to go out with me, but I persuaded her, very luckily persuaded her to come out with me, and uh, we're still married. Hey, uh, hey that's good. Yes, yes, still married, about 40-odd years, 41 years, something like that. 43? But the... 43... Oh, well, 43 since that event, I guess. Yes, yes, 43 since that event. Uh, but as far as the final's concerned, the first thing, of course, is, is how we got tickets in those days. Um, it's funny because uh, people of my, age will, of my age will remember that you collect... You, everyone bought a programme. You collected your programmes because at the back page there was a little triangular cut-off piece at the top and it was the FA Cup voucher and if your team was lucky enough to get to Wembley you they knew your loyalty by you cut off these little vouchers and posted them in and that's how the tickets were distributed you had to uh, cut out these things from the programs and send all your vouchers in to show your loyalty and that's how the cup final tickets were distributed and obviously, the more uh, vouchers you had, um, the uh, the better choice you had of tickets for the game. Totally different to how it is today. Uh, so what happened was, of course, is that uh, you didn't end up standing or being with any of your mates because you all had different numbers of vouchers. And obviously, priority were given to people who had, say, about sort of 22 or 23 vouchers uh, and so on. And so I met up with uh, a few uh, Fulham friends down there. Uh, we got into the main stadium and uh, we all met up by the St. John Ambulance Room. And uh, we all had different standing tickets. And mine, I always remember, was A22. And I still got the ticket somewhere other amongst my memorabilia. And we all uh, decided, we all looked at the various little standing options. We all ended up going into A22 because in those days, uh, you had the main turnstiles, but then once you were in the concourse around the stadium, you just went into the block that you fancied. Uh, and there was some blocks got overcrowded, but we got there quite early, so we managed to shuffle ourselves uh, uh, about halfway down the block. Uh, and what what was amazing, and it's something that's been on the Fulham website today, everyone was wearing white. So there was an actual um, white wall back in 1975? There, I always remember there were lots of people there wearing... It's the days, of course, before replica shirts. And everyone was wearing white shirts or white T-shirts or white polo necks. Practically everyone you saw was wearing white. And it's the days before websites and the internet, of course. So how this sort of got around that we should all wear white, I don't know. Um, but there really was this white wall. And I, I hope, of course, that uh, on Saturday, a lot of fans, if they haven't got a white shirt, get a white T-shirt for a couple of quid from Primark and uh, and turn up and we can we can create this white wall. Yes, that would be lovely. And, um, you know, you, you talk about the, the white wall being there in 1975. Do you think the atmosphere will be much the same? Is it going to be different? I've got no... I've got no um, uh, viewpoint on what uh, the atmospheres were like at football in 1975. I wasn't even born yet. Do you think it's going to be a different experience? I don't know about the atmosphere. The atmosphere in those days was different because in normal league matches, there was no segregation. People sat and stood where they wanted in those days. And for the cup final, West Ham had one end, we had the other end. Uh, but still, you had families whereby you I mean there were West Ham fans in mixed amongst some of the Fulham fans and the same there were Fulham fans amongst the West Ham fans 
not uh, not large amounts. It was just, you know, friends of people who had gone together. Um, the atmosphere, I remember, was electric before the game. It was very, very similar to what we had at Craven Cottage uh, last week against Derby. The atmosphere at the Fuller Bend was absolutely electric. And, of course, uh, those of us who were there remember that we dominated the first half. We didn't have a lot of chances. I remember John Lacey had a great header. Um, I think John Mitchell had a chance. But we did dominate uh, the first half, and we felt really good. But then, bang, second half, we just... I don't know what happened. Um, it was it was flat. For, the team came out flat. And as soon as West Ham scored the atmosphere died. And then, they, of course, they scored. It was about four or five minutes later. Bang, it was over. Uh, everyone was deflated. It was, it was such a shame. Um, we didn't hear, at our end, we didn't hear any West Ham chanting or West Ham singing. It was only in the last 10 or 15 minutes when West Ham took control of the game completely. Um, because, um, and that's when we heard the West Ham fans singing. And quite a few Fulham fans, sadly, were leaving uh, a few minutes before the end because because uh, that was that. How many Fulham fans went to that Wembley game? Do you know, obviously, uh, Fulham have sold out their allocation for Wembley on Saturday and it's 38,000. I know the old Wembley held a similar amount in capacity to what um, the current Wembley does, especially when you could have standing back in those days. Do you know how yeah, many it... fans Fulham took? Yes. Uh, it was about 42,000. Wow. Uh, the official capacity is 100,000, but it never was. They actually only used to sell around about 98,000 seats uh, because they used to have these standing areas that they didn't sell all the seats to in case they had to move people around from overcrowding. But full of my, if I remember rightly, we've got about 42,000. The FA used to have somewhere in the region of about 15,000 tickets to send around all their various associates. But it's the days before sponsorship. Um, so, because uh, in the cup final these days, uh, I read somewhere at the weekend that uh, Chelsea and Manchester United, they only got something like 34,000 each. Yeah, so I'd be surprised sponsors. if it was as much as that, to be perfectly honest. Yeah. Um, and, of course, there's lots of hospitality these days. But, uh, you know, it's amazing that uh, we sold. We, we definitely, obviously, we sold all the tickets for the cup final. Um, and I know there were quite a lot of disappointed fans uh, who didn't get tickets. However, what was noticeable, I remember walking down what they now call Wembley Way. It used to be called Olympic Way. There were lots of ticket touts selling tickets for that cup final. Um, and they, they uh, And that never used to be the case. I don't know why that was. Maybe they got hold of uh, Fulham tickets, I don't know. But there were a lot of tickets out that day. At least it's not like uh, the Europa League final where there were more sort of people there who weren't fans of either Fulham or Atletico Madrid. At least there's going to be way more fans there of of the teams playing uh, on Saturday, at least. Yes, I think that's very true. I I mean, at the the match at Hamburg, uh, in Hamburg, I remember there were lots of people, had little signs around their neck offering tickets. Um, and most of them were under face value with about half an hour to go. Well, many of them were Liverpool fans that thought they were going to get to the final. <laughs> well, that's Liverpool. They have a god. They 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 feel they have a god given given right to get to every final. Well, unfortunately, they've got to quite a big one this year. Uh, that's <laughs> going to be playing just after ours. So, Stephen, 
Do you think the feeling for you of walking down what is now known as Wembley Way is going to be as special for you as it was when you were back there at 1975 walking down Olympic Way? No, because in 1975, we were the underdogs. Okay. Uh, West, West Ham had had a pretty mediocre season, and so had we. Uh, we were both mid-table, but, but they were, you know, they were a first division or what you would call a Premier League side. And we were a plucky little championship side who had been out of the big time for about uh, six years. Uh, we'd been relegated from division, well, I think uh, about six years earlier. Uh, and we'd gone down to Division 3. We'd come back up to Division 2 two years earlier, uh, three years earlier, actually. Um, but we were mid-table. But the, there is a similarity. Uh, the team that we had in 1975 had no big star names at all. They were a team of journeyman footballers who were excelling themselves. And they, Alex Stock molded them as an excellent team. Uh, they were a, a splendid team because even though Les Strong couldn't play in the final, he got injured a couple of weeks before in a in a match I think it was against Portsmouth. Uh, John Fraser came in and uh, at uh, left back and he was brilliant. He was absolutely brilliant. Uh, so he Alex Stock had this team. I always remember the substitute was Barry Lloyd, who was a very very good player. Uh, so he had a very very solid cohesive team uh, and. It, you know, this year we've gained, you know, people talk about Ryan Sessegnon and they talk about this player and that player. We've actually got a very good team. The players seem to know where each other is on the pitch. And a lot of players have come on in leaps and bounds from uh, from last season. Um, and the interesting thing also about 75 is actually, in my opinion, the best player we had that season was our goalkeeper, Peter Meller. Uh, our defence wasn't that great at times. He made some superb saves, especially in the cup run. I remember a great save at Carlisle. I remember two great saves at Everton. And in the cup final itself, he made some great saves. But sadly, he's been blamed for the two goals. Uh, and they were, in a sense, goalkeeping errors. He parried both shots and the rebounds fell nicely for Alan Taylor. Um, but Peter Meller was, in my opinion, our player of uh, the team that got to the cup final. And in a sense, Marcus Bettinelli has been uh, our player, along with Tim Ream, uh, has been our player of this run to get ourselves to Wembley. And uh, But those two won't let us down at Wembley, that's for sure. So, Stephen, are you confident that Fulham can finish the job? put their place back in the Premier League and make Saturday an almighty great day? I'm hoping that's the case. We are a better team than Aston Villa. We uh, were not quite getting into our stride when we were beaten up at Villa Park. A couple of months ago, we absolutely played them off the pitch. Uh, yes, I appreciate the second goal was a little bit fluky and lucky, but uh, there were long periods against Villa when we were absolutely head and shoulders and in control. But unfortunately, I've, I've been saying this for about, was it, must be about six weeks. I'm dreading, I was saying six weeks ago, I'm dreading that we'll get to the championship final. And we all know John Terry will score the winner with his hand in the 96th minute. Oh, don't. Uh, because I'm worried because, you know, Fulham fans remember the time at Chelsea when he dived down to make a brilliant save and the referee wouldn't give us a penalty. You know, he is the bogeyman for us. 
But at the end of the day, we are a better team than Aston Villa. We've proved it. You know, if we'd had a better start of the season, everyone knows we'd have been promoted a long time ago. If we hadn't let in that last-minute goal against Brentford, we'd have been promoted. But it doesn't matter. We know we're the better team. And Slavisa will be telling them, you are the better team. And uh, I am quietly confident, but it's football. Anything can happen. Stephen, thank you so much for chatting to Fulhamish. You're welcome. Hello, I am Brad Hangeland, and when I'm not rubbing my thigh with cheese, I'm listening to the Fulhamish podcast. Well, thank you so much to Stephen Monk for chatting to us uh, very eloquently, I've got to say. What a voice. What a speaker. Yeah, I know. Farrell, where where, did you go wrong? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, his memories from the 1975 final, his excitement uh, for Saturday. And, uh, yeah, really, really great to catch up with him. And I hope that uh, you, those of you listening who were there back in 1975 maybe have memories uh, of an even bigger Fulham crowd taking over Wembley that day and enjoyed that little bit uh, from Stephen Monk. All right, well, up next, I think let's hear from some international fans, some fans jetting in further than... Leighton Stone or Putney or uh, Acton, Acton yeah. uh, for the final. And, and Jack, you caught up with a, uh, a Californian fan. I did, although he's very much English and living in California. Okay. I spoke to Jack Copeland, who runs the California Whites now, who are the preeminent kind of fan group, I suppose, for Fulham fans in the Golden State. So that was good. And I started off by asking what his feelings were in general ahead of Saturday's big game. So, I mean, I've been a Fulham fan since as long as I can remember. Never really had much choice. Um, my dad took me when we had 1,000 fans and was in the, in, in the enclosure standing. Um, the first season that I sort of really remember clearly was that promotion season with Simon Morgan and the rest of the team. And I was out as a ball boy. So I guess I'm one of the very, very lucky fans that managed to go right the way through and just watch us get promoted and promoted and see Keegan and see Tagana and everything. Um, and then I watched us go all over Europe. So went to um, 18 out of 19 games, which was amazing. And um, missed CSK Sofia away, but was one of about 15 people that went to Amka Perm. I was going to say, that's, and, a, um, that's a big commitment, the big trip to Perm. There was only about 17 of you in there. <laughs> yeah, literally. I mean, it was like $400, uh, sorry, £400 just to get, uh, just to get visas. And then, um, I mean, it took us about 12, 14 hours to get there. And I spent most of the time kind of either really drunk or really hungover. So what else <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't my favourite trip. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, at least, uh, at least it, was, it was good to be part of such a small group and, and go out there. And so then you must have moved to California at that point. What drove you to move so far away from your one true love? Um, yes, I mean, to be honest with you, if, it, if, if I couldn't have watched every single game live, I never would have gone. Um, and unfortunately, it panned out eventually that I couldn't watch every single game live. So I, I came out here with a company to do some training for a sales team, um, and they basically offered me a job. And at the time, I was 23, 24, and I thought, what a great chance to move to the other side of the world. Um, and I knew that every live Premier League game was shown. So I came out and watched them all, and it was great. And then, of course, we got relegated to the championship. And um, it was a really difficult time because we would get like two or three games televised a year, and that was it. That is a, it's a terrible curse, although you did manage to miss most of the worst period of in recent Fulham history. So that is an advantage, to be fair. Yeah, well, I mean, I was pretty lucky in that respect. But, I mean, it, the, the thing that was really tough for us international fans is... The, the way the relegation went down. So 
as you all remember, under McGath, unfortunately, he then got rid of everyone um, and we got in completely new players. And then we didn't actually get to watch anything on TV, as I mentioned. So you wound up in this scenario where you're listening to the games, but you, you don't even really know what the players look like. You can't even really imagine it. And yeah. it, was, it was actually like a really low time for all of us because we just didn't have any kind of emotional connection to the club anymore. So I think it was almost as tough for us guys as it was for you guys, even though we didn't have to watch it. Yeah, for sure. Well, when you went over there, obviously you started California Whites or California sort of Fulham fan base. How's that gone? And is there a big following? And, and how, how's that kind of built over the years? Um, I'd love to say it was a massive following, but to be honest with you, it's, uh, <laughs> it's not. Um, we, have, we mainly focus on just meeting up for the games. Yeah, that's so fine. there's maybe sort of 10, 15 of us that sort of got to, have got together at some point. There's sort of three or four really loyal people that, that all live local. But the problem is, is California is so big. So, you know, you've got to fly to Northern California. So anyone who's based up in San Francisco, if they're, if they're coming down to watch a game with me, it's like an eight, nine-hour drive or an hour-long flight, um, yeah. which people have done. We've actually had people flying from Texas to, to watch the games with us. Um, and we've been lo- lucky enough that, like, one of the local bars across the street, a good friend of mine sort of owned it, and he, he would open up at us for us at, like, 4.45 a.m., even though there was, like, five or six of us to watch the game. So that's been quite good. And then I'm also a member of the Fulham Exiles who, um, who have been going for like 30, 40 years. And they're sort of like a, an old group of Fulham fans that meet up once a year in Vegas. And most of them have lived in America for, I mean, one of them at least has lived out here for 40 years. So, um, so they're a good bunch to sort of interact with online as well. well obviously, there's, there's sort of a, a wide range of people coming from all over the world. And this is, you're probably one of the furthest, but is this the first time, you know, you've been back for, just for a game or is, has there been others? So, I mean, just for a game is probably, this is the first time that I was, uh, I've been back literally just for the game um, because it's such a short period of yeah, time of that I'm back. Um, but I come back all the time. I've, I actually started this business um, primarily so I would have the excuse to spend about a third of my time in the UK because it's <laughs> quite difficult when you move abroad, you make friends and, and, and find sort of family uh, on the other side of the world. So no matter where I live now after seven years, I'm going to be missing half my mates. So I wanted something where I could come back and see Fulham all the time. Um, and that's, you know, my company is involved with, with companies in the UK. So I've actually been back this year for QPR away, which was very, very nerve at the end, but was great fun. And QPR at home, which was obviously very disappointing at the end. And then that fabulous... Um, Preston game where we scored in the last minute and that was that was absolutely awesome and I would say I'd probably come back at least twice a year over the last seven years I've probably been back about 15-20 times so let's move on to the game obviously going to be a, a big day out for everybody what, what's your plan and what, what do you expect from the day really so for the day I, I don't know um, I'm, I'm flying over on the Thursday night I leave here and I get back at my desk by Tuesday lunchtime oh, which is, is quick. Um, pretty aggressive I mean I did for, for Basel away I managed to do it on half a day's holiday um, flying out of City Airport but yeah I'm with, uh, I'm with Wow Air so I've got like a, about a 14 hour journey over with a, with a two hour layover in Iceland and then on the way back I've got a 17 hour layover in Iceland um, so that's going to be pretty difficult um, for the game itself I imagine I'll just try and stay on US time pretty much. Um, the one thing that I've learned from the Europa League final is that you know to, to spend all that money going to all those games and then to get overexcited and drink too much before the game um, I, I, I don't really want to do that. Yeah. The first half an hour of that final is not very clear in my mind yeah. um, I'd much prefer it to be the last half an hour that wasn't very clear in my mind but yeah so I think, I 
think the plan is probably meet up Waterloo Way um, and have some beers there because it's quite hard to drink around Wembley. And then um, just, just, just keep it quiet, right? Have like four or five beers max before the game, um, probably a beer in the stadium and just sort of wander around, soak up the atmosphere and just make sure that it's nice and clear in your head and exciting and uh, then uh, go and celebrate or commiserate, I suppose. Well, let me push you for one more thing, Jack. What was your prediction for, for, for Saturday's game? Um, I think 3-1. Yeah, I think, um, I think we're going to win. I'm feeling quietly confident, which is probably not a good thing. I think, uh, I think we'll go 1-0 up. They'll equalise. It'll be a bit nervy. Then we'll go 2-1. They'll have to attack us, and we'll, uh, we'll bury it 3-1. Bury it on the break. Well, we, we live in hope. We live in hope. Jack, it's been an absolute pleasure talking <laughs> to you. Thank you for taking awesome, the time thanks, to speak man. to us. Yeah, no problems at all. And just want to say thanks for you guys for doing the, uh, doing the pod. I listen to it every week, and it's, uh, it's really good. It's a really nice way of keeping us international fans feeling like we're part of the Fulham, uh, Fulham supporters group rather than just part of the club. Always part of the family, mate. Thank you very much, Jack. <laughs> we'll see you at Wembley. Cheers, guys. Take care. Take see you care. at Wembley. Come on, you whites. Well, Jack, cracking interview there with uh, Jack Copeland, a fellow Jack here. Jack on Jack. Uh, all the way from California. Uh, for the game it's absolutely incredible uh, the journeys and the lengths that some are going to uh, to watch Fulham at Wembley on Saturday I'd be doing it if I was if I was anywhere in the world I, I don't think I could miss this and I remember when I was traveling I went around Southeast Asia and there was a Fulham were looking quite good in the FA Cup I think we got beaten by Bolton and I was expecting us to get past Bolton I can't believe that's looking good for us (laughs) I know but we got to the fifth round and I was thinking oh maybe we have a chance we were playing quite well under Mark Hughes and I wasn't due to come home until after the FA Cup final but I'd already said to uh, my missus I was like uh, we are. I'm. I'm not missing Fulham in an FA Cup final if we get there. I'd already like laid out the groundwork, so I, I fully understand. Um, we had so many messages uh, from fans coming in from abroad. We couldn't get you all on the phone, otherwise it would get a bit lengthy. But uh, we're going to read out a selection now of some of the emails that came through um, from you guys that are coming in far and wide. So um, I'm going to start this off with uh, Matthew Hansford. Uh, said first, he loved the pod each and every week. And uh, he's an Aussie fan, moved to Abu Dhabi uh, around 12 months ago. And part of the appeal was how close in comparison we would be to Europe for big (laughs) occasions (laughs) like next weekend. Um, His Fulham journey uh, began around 20 years ago uh, when he was 16, when his sister, like nearly all Aussies, moved to London. Oh, yeah. I mean, I live in southwest London. I know how many Aussies there are. (laughs) And uh, that's when his... uh, love affair with with Fulham started uh, here's a quick story for us so uh, we'll we'll humor this one so on his honeymoon with his first ever no his, his ever understanding wife two years ago uh, we landed in London and that afternoon my wife went off to meet her sister uh, on the other side of town while I went to Fulham away at Brentford after 10 minutes and being 2-0 down that didn't look like such a great idea I then took her next Saturday for her first trip to the cottage for a 1-0 win over Bolton. Yeah, that is a pretty terrible Huge. week to be... Uh, what a day. What time to be <laughs> your alive. First, your, your first full of matches, but yeah. Uh, and so his second story is this January, his wife and him were in London and his wife had to extend her work trip. So instead of me going home early, he changed his flights, left from Manchester so he could go to Middlesbrough away. The 92nd minute penalty was the best football result he's ever seen live. But... He can't make it from Abu Dhabi for the final this oh, weekend no, no. Um, oh, due to nah. a new job. Careful. So 
unfortunate, but Matt Hansford story, loves it. And Good he said, P.S.E. P.S.E. <laughs> well done, Matt. Right, I got one from William Brooks. He says, it's just the 11,395 miles from me from Auckland, New Zealand to Shut Wembley. Up. Only Fulham fans coming from further south in New Zealand or those from Antarctica will be more bleary-eyed. I've been exiled in New Zealand since 2013, but he couldn't let that get in the way of something he always dreamed of. Missed the yeah, 1975 FA Cup because he was deemed too young, aged four, and then missed Hamburg because it was the due date for his first child. So let's hope it's third time lucky. He says that he still miffed it. McDonald's drive through three-word review for the Millwall game was beaten by Lions Mitrovic wardrobe. <laughs> what does wardrobe, even with war in capitals, have to do with anything? See on Wembley Way. Yeah, I am actually sorry for that. That's 100% my decision as well. I, I do apologise. Uh, I will... I'm That's, sorry, but we'd I love mean, to see you. On I want, he, must be, he must have left already. He has to have. Yeah, yeah, we'll probably be en route. Saw a en couple route. of tweets today some, from people leaving from that side of the world, so yeah. they're on the way, yeah. Drew, what have you got? Okay, so I've got Daniel Kemp. Uh, I'm not sure if he has a relation to Ross uh, Kemp. Uh, probably not. Uh, he says, I've been a Fulham fan for at least 15 years now. I'm only 28, mind, uh, and a season ticket holder for most of that time. The only season I haven't had a season ticket was when I was studying abroad in uni, uh, for uni in Canada, and that happened to be the 2009-10 season. That means that I basically missed the whole of the Europa League run and the final in Hamburg. That is shocking uh, as a poor student i couldn't afford to cut short my time and fly back that's sad in the middle of this season i emigrated to wollongong australia a city just south of sydney good pronunciation there yeah <laughs> a bit nervous that uh, with my australian <laughs> wife who i met in canada all those years ago he said uh, i converted her to fulham while we lived in london and this the last two seasons she's come to every home game and quite a few ways too good work uh, we have to give. We had to give up our season tickets when we moved down here in February. But I always said that there are two things I'd fly back for, no matter what. Uh, one, the death of a close friend or family member. He says it's a bit morbid. It really is, but you know, got to be realistic about these things. And two, Fulham getting to Wembley. I thought the latter one was a bit of a long shot, but now here we are. <laughs> <laughs> Very uh, good. And thankfully, I'm flying back for the good reason. I land at 5:50 a.m. on Thursday morning, so he'll be in the air now. Uh, and spend the weekend in London uh, and the bank holiday with my folks in Aberdeen, which is where they're from and live now again. It's a long journey again. Uh, And then fly back out on Tuesday, back to Sydney, and go to work again Thursday morning when I land. Oh, my God. Missions. hard. That is is tough. Yeah, his ticket's already been sorted next to the guys he used to sit next to. Uh, He says, I'm going to be exhausted, but after missing Hamburg, I wouldn't miss this one for anything. Come on, you whites. Brilliant. Love it. We got some. My next one is from Mark Mandel. Uh, he said, Hi, Pod. We are the Mandel family. Americans currently living in Boston, Massachusetts. We had been Americans living in London, and they were Fulham season ticket holders from 2010 to 2013, the glory days of Dempsey and Dembele version 1.0. Two of my three sons became ardent soccer fans. Uh, He does say soccer in inverted commas, so well done, early points, uh, while living in the UK. Uh, See pictures below, which he sent me. One of them is with Breda Hangland. Uh, and the other one is them with their Fulham shirts, which is Schwarzer and Murphy on the back. Uh, my youngest was especially intrigued with the concept of the EFL Championship. Uh, a one or done game uh, with so much riding on the outcome. We have nothing like this in the States. Um, in a moment of weakness, I promised him that we would go to Wembley should Fulham ever get there. What are the od- What were the odds after 43 years? So four of us are off for bo- from Boston. My wife, in brackets, who is a saint included, I have promised them an epic time. Uh, he then goes on to say, I'm a dedicated follower of the pod. 
Uh, here is a well-deserved needed vote for Ben as my favourite podcaster. Ben has got like an absolute series of votes. He's, I reckon Ben is like streaking. I reckon Ben's on eight across the like yeah, emails we've, re- we've received recently. Because he tugged the heartstrings, yeah, didn't he? he? Did, he did it was appear. the appeal for Ben. Yeah. Uh, you have accompanied me through ben. many long commutes over the course of the past two Fulham seasons in brackets, and Gentleman Jim has narrated many thrilling moments over the airwaves. Uh, maybe we could get a chance to meet in person before, after or during Wembley. Well, Mark, if you're around, if you catch us, then then we'd absolutely love that. So thank you, Mark. I'm going to move this one to Patrick Clifford. This is a funny one because he's actually in England right now, but a brilliant story here that last year I booked flights from Sydney. It cost £1,000 to return for the playoff final. I booked the flights the day after we beat Norwich away as I was so confident we'd make it to Wembley. We didn't, but I still went to the final anyway and sat in the Huddersfield end. Had a great day out and was delighted with the result, even if it was most one of the most boring games of football I've ever seen. Funny thing about my flights, though, on the flight to London from Sydney, there was a guy wearing a Leeds United top, and he was on the same flight on my return to Sydney ten days later. Couldn't help but chuckle to myself, although I didn't speak to him. In January, I returned to Essex for good and bought a half-season ticket and have followed the Whites all over since returning and been delighted to actually have the opportunity to see the Whites at Wembley this time round confirmed thanks pat all works out in the end doesn't it yeah. love that brilliant great story that pat i really enjoyed i actually have a feeling i may have met pat i met a pat from australia so there we are all right well um we did get a load of emails and and we haven't quite got time to go through all of them but i'll give out some some shout outs so to adam leonard who's coming all the way from sydney uh to brendan mazar who's coming from san diego another california one a uh, jay hall is coming from new zealand so another real real long trip there matt smith uh is coming in from texas I've got a couple, there's a couple on our Twitter as well, but I've got to give a, a big shout out to Martin Kitson, who's actually going on the fan show later on tonight that okay. will be recorded. He's coming on to talk about that. Um, and he is, is from West London. He lives in Poland now. Um, and he used to be good mates with my Uncle Kieran. So oh, shout okay. out to him. Uh, a couple more from me. Pete Gowan from Cape Town. And also, we've got to give a shout out to Cottage Talks' Russ Goldman, who is flying in from Gillette Stadium. Massachusetts, Boston uh, for the game and uh, I know that many people are going to be excited to see Russ and hopefully I can catch up with Russ as well so to Russ I hope you're enjoying the uh, flight over which I believe uh, is tomorrow Thursday so you know enjoy your trip over here to Wembley and uh, I'm sure uh, it will be a good one. What a photo that will be. Enjoy it Russ. You and Russ. Exactly. Got to make it happen. Yeah. Get Danny in as well. Yeah. All the three big heads of the Fulham podcast in one, in one big <laughs> post. I, so, I think it's a great shout. Um, right. Let's do a few questions uh, to round off our Wembley preview podcast. Okay. This is from at, prolif- at the prolific one. Prolific. He says, suppose the 75th minute rolls around and we're nil-nil in a 50-50 match. What change do you feel gives us the best chance of breaking the deadlock? Is it a formation, substitution, change, both? Drew, I'll start with you. I'm going to go with the straight up AK-47 bamboozle them in the last 15. I think uh, that is that is one of our most effective weapons in the last couple of weeks, and I'd be uh, I'd be tempted to use it again without without a shadow of a doubt. That's my one. So. I actually think Lucas Piazon. I think if it's a tight game and you need to unlock a very very good Villa defence. I don't want to be critical of AK and I felt like in the last podcast I maybe came across a bit too strongly because don't get me wrong, I love Abubakar, I love what he brings to the game and and he's really been a good force, you know, especially in that Sunderland match. But I think that Piazon is the one to unlock a, 
a Villa defence and I would like to see him come on in the same situation. I'm going to give a customary shout out to Niskins Cabano because I feel like you get Alan Hutton on a yellow card and then you put and then you put Niskins Cabano up against him and he, he's going to struggle. So that would be that's the customary shout. Um, we've got a couple of fun questions. These are good. The Grizzler says, should Stifflem stick with Billy the Badger as a club mascot or is it time for a change next season? <laughs> That's an outrageous, outrageous suggestion. What's wrong with Billy? Well, uh, he's been defended very, very adequately on Twitter by a lot of people who remembered him being sent off and abusing Avram Grant and doing all those yes. things. So. I think that's the one thing about Billy. He's just has not. He's not been controversial enough. He's lost his edge. He's, he's in the past. Down. Someone did suggest Colin the Clapper becoming our mascot. <laughs> <laughs> the only I, option. <laughs> that is. would be better than the Dabs.com computer. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, and Sir Craven. God bless him. <laughs> um, a couple more. Um, <laughs> Sam Lockhart says, thoughts on this could be the final time we see a lot of these players play for us. Quite a sad point set, but it's one that potentially... Try not to think about it. But yeah, I mean, I think obviously if we lose, then and when you walk... If, if I'm trying not to think of that either. But when they walk off the pitch, give us a round of applause, that will be in the back of our minds of how many of this squad will still be there come... August. Okay, yeah. and this and this one's from Dan Bardell who says, um, "Oh, as in, the- yeah, yeah, the Villa, the Villa views." Dan Bardell. He said he'd genuinely like to know our thoughts on Fulham fans selling on tickets to Villa fans in your end. Drew, I'll start with you. Okay, yeah. So I was, um, I saw this question. Uh, so I saw a great thread this afternoon from Ormond Droid on Twitter, and he was basically uh, quoting from the FST meeting that happened last night. Um, and basically, uh, Ali Mack uh, basically said that they were planning all along to give five season tickets. Uh, five tickets to each season ticket holder so they could create a secondary market among themselves as he, uh, as the club trusts the fans to be the best judge of character on who needs a ticket and who doesn't. So he creates that secondary market knowing that these season ticket holders have their tickets to lose. They don't want to get banned from the ground, do they? So they're going to uh, basically do the right thing, pick the right fans who to make sure everybody gets a ticket. And then whether that's people coming from abroad who we've heard of today uh, or people who move away because they've had kids or whatnot. So... And you can see the plan worked perfectly because obviously we get rid of 25,000 tickets to 12,000 season ticket holders. If it's less than that and then it goes through the motions down to membership or just purchase history, that's when you've got a problem. And that's when those tickets start to go awry. So I think, uh, as you guys said last earlier this week, it is a load of, uh, it is a load of nonsense that these, all these Villa fans are going to be in our end. You might get a few, as you would do with any big game, you know, 38,000 tickets some there's going to be, straight, there's yeah. gonna be in there, but I think uh, the way that the Cubs played it has been proved to be spot on, and I can't see there's going to be too much trouble at all. Sam? Yeah, I, I fully agree with that, and actually it is quite sensible. I thought the club got it wrong at first, and it shows kind of, what do I know? Because I thought five seemed a bit crazy. I just thought that there was a risk that members might not get tickets. There was at one stage it was looking like, oh my God, we're going to sell this out to season ticket holders. And I thought that um, it was all going to go wrong because as much as that system is great, season ticket holders dishing out tickets to kind of friends, family, long lost Fulham fans that live or exiled somewhere. There are also just Fulham fans that don't know a season ticket holder. I was one of them when I was younger. I don't come from like a big Fulham family or anything like that. And had this been 10 years ago, I would have maybe struggled to get a ticket had it only been on sale to season ticket holders. But they looked at the demand and they kind of 
predicted it perfectly. And look, it seems like everyone that wanted a ticket has got a ticket. And I'm just so bored of hearing, are there going to be Villa fans in the Fulham end? Even if there are, you're not going to notice them. There's 38,000 Fulham fans. There might be 100 or 200 Villa fans. Just couldn't care less. They're not going to make any noise. And Jack was bang on about it. So let's stop worrying. Let's stop like humoring all this crap that Villa fans are peddling. If they're that bored and they've got nothing else to talk about or do, then just let let them crack on. Mm. I've got a couple of bits to add. I I think you're right. I think the majority of the end is going to be Fulham. I I really am not worried about there being being particularly many Villa fans in, in the end. That said, if you're a Fulham season ticket holder, and you've sold like tickets to Villa fans, you're a moron. If you've sold fans to you know ticket-selling sites, you're also a moron. Yeah. And if you are a Villa fan that has bought tickets in the Fulham end, you're even more of a moron. Because, you know, what kind of, like, idiot you have to be to, like, go to a game and want to sit on your hands rather than celebrating? Because even if... Look, let's put the worst-case scenario out there. A thousand tickets got sold to Villa fans in the Fulham end, right? If a th- they'd be 38 to 1 outnumbered. Mm. It is it's a ludicrous position to put yourself in, and if you if you get up and celebrate, it's not like oh I'm the hardest man in the world. It's you're just going to be thrown out. Like it's absolutely ludicrous. And if you don't, then what's the point in being there? Because you can't enjoy yourself. There's like so much chat about this, and they'll be like oh we're going to the Fulham end and we'll cause all sorts of disruption. No, you won't. No, you won't. You're going to cause. You can try and cause disruption, and literally it won't even be like fans throwing you out. You'll just be removed. Like it's it's almost like just absolutely blows my mind how it's even become a thing and if we all stop giving it credence then it's it will go away and and you will not worry about villa fans being in your end at you know on saturday if they are they will be removed if they get up and if they don't get up to celebrate you know if they have something to celebrate or they don't get up to celebrate a fulham goal you'll spot them immediately like there's one way to put this there's one way to put this all to bed and that's Seth scoring a hat-trick in the first 20 minutes just to shut them all up and getting john terry sent off Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, any more questions? Or That's that it. it. That's the bag done. Look, um, it's a huge game on Saturday. And as the song says, whatever will be, will be. It's going to be an amazing day out. We're all going to have a great time. It's a record amount of Fulham fans ever really at a game, probably since that 1975 final, where, as Stephen mentioned, uh, there was over 40,000. It's just going to be a great day. Hopefully the boys can get the result, but give your backing to the lads. They'll need it. And I'm sure we'll all be together. Let's make it noisy. Let's make it intimidating. And we're one game away from the Premier League. And for these players to reach a kind of immortal status, really, uh, in this football club. So we'll see you on Saturday. Have a great day. If you come into the Old Suffolk Punch, uh, we can't wait to see you there. If not, then can't wait to see you either in Baker Street or Wembley, The Torch, Wembley Way. We'll keep everyone updated via our Twitter feed because we're nice like that. Exactly. So... Thank you for listening to Fulhamish this season. We will return next week, come what may. We haven't really put any plans in place as to yet, as to when we're recording. I'd have said probably Tuesday is the most likely date, but we'll kind of see what happens on Saturday. There's going to be loads of other Fulhamish content coming up over the next few days before the final. Loads more articles. There's a huge preview uh, that George and Jack have done in collaboration looking ahead uh, to the Villa game and from a more statistical, tactical point of view. So make sure you give that a read. And we're going to be all over social media. So we've got Drew and we've got Dave doing the Instagram story, which is always a bit of a highlight for you to watch after the game. Jack Kelly's going to be doing the Snapchat. Jack's on the tweets. Uh, I'm going to be doing a vlog as well, which will be going up on the YouTube channel some point over the weekend uh, when I've recovered from my inevitable hangover. So yeah, there's loads of stuff coming up 
on Fulhamish and of course everywhere else you know Fulham Focus Cottage Talk I'm sure they've got you covered as well so that's my final message to Drew Heatley thank you very much you whites and to Jack Collins have you got any words before uh, before the big day just enjoy it let's enjoy it let's make you know a massive massive day even better let's you know get behind the boys and, and watch them hopefully play their hearts out and, and fingers crossed it's enough to take us all the way and, and you know ultimately it is what it is but you know, we, we have to go there and, and make it make it our own and really own the day. And hopefully we'll, we'll do that from the very start. You know, we've got to stand up and, and, and be counted now. And as much as the players do, let's get behind them and really you know, push it home. Oh, and tomorrow night, Thursday night, if you're in the UK, I'm live on Talk Sports uh, on Andy Goldstein's Sports Bar at 11pm. Stay up late, send in some tweets. There's a Villa fan there as well from the My Old Man Said podcast who caused a bit of a stir about the pitch invasion. So... Please listen, would really appreciate some tweets and some love because uh, no doubt all the Villa bandwagon's going to be there. So if you're listening tomorrow night, 11pm on TalkSport, much appreciate you uh, getting involved. See you at Wembley. Come on, you whites. You whites. You whites.